what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP Community, the community of adult children of aging parents. There are an estimated 10 million adult children in the United States and many more, many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and concerned about their own life as they age. In this segment, you will hear Dr. Amy Lorick from Pennsylvania State University's Center for Healthy Aging and Jill Curtis of the Greater Pennsylvania Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association They will be talking about three conversations that are typical and often needed, but can be difficult to have with aging parents. The discussions deal with cognitive changes, continuing to drive, and talks about estate planning and advanced directives. While we may recognize the sensitivity of these topics, sometimes these issues really need to be broached. So how is the best way to prepare for the conversation, and what do we actually say? In this podcast, you'll learn from experts tips, insights, and resources that can help make these difficult conversations a little easier and definitely more productive, while also giving you tools for conveying respect and compassion for your loved ones and the changes that are going on in their lives. So without further delay, I'm going to turn the conversation over to our experts, My name is Amy Lorick, and I am with the Center for Healthy Aging at Penn State. I'm here with Jill Curtis. She's with the Alzheimer's Association of Central Pennsylvania. Oh, I guess Uh, it's a greater PA chapter. Greater PA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we... Um, we're here together to talk about difficult conversations and the kind of conversations you might have if you're starting to wonder and think about the cognitive changes that you may be observing in your parent. And so we're going to cover topics like being prepared for those conversations. We're going to talk about some common conversations that you might be having or wanting to have. And we're going to talk about some resources right at the end that you might be able to find a little bit more information about the things that we're talking about. How does that sound? I love it. Okay. Good agenda. Excellent. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll not make this too uh, stiff uh, and make it more conversational because it is about difficult conversations and uh, stiff conversations just makes it worse. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's get started with how to prepare for some of these conversations. Oh. <laughs> All right, Jill. How should, right. how should we be preparing for these conversations? Well, the conver- I guess it depends on where we're going. I think that the, the, the conversations that we have discussed that I think are most folks can relate to is how do we get our loved one to a doctor? How do we get them to realize they need to go to a doctor for a cognitive assessment? Um, And then also driving falls under there too. When is it time to stop driving? Mm -hmm. Um, And then moving into that, since we're talking about heavy topics, would be, Mom, do you have a will? Mm -hmm. Mom, what are your advanced directives? What would you like to see the end of your life look like? Right. Do you want to be home? Do you want to be in a nursing facility? Do you want to be in a care community? So those are those are all just that's all just those yeah, little topics it. that we want right. to talk about today. So those, so those are our topics, and I think what makes your perspective unique is that um, we could have conversations uh, with any parent about this. But our concern is how do you have those conversations with someone 
who you maybe are wondering has some cognitive changes going on. Exactly. And so that's something I want to be sure we key into. When, how, how do you have those conversations if you're worried about cognitive right. changes? Well, one of the things that we recommend is to start having conversations sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, not putting it off. Um not waiting for a decline, either and more of a more of a mental decline um, or even a physical decline. Because if we are going through physical health issues, that makes it hard to want to talk about anything. In, period, especially if there's pain underlying, mm-hmm. you know, because then then that just adds a whole another element to this. But um, certainly, I think that we have to look at timing. Um, you know, maybe not around. Uh, maybe not around the holidays, <laughs> probably not a good time to do that. Yeah. Um, and also if there's um, certain triggers, you know, um, if uh, there's a some, uh, something going on at church that's not favorable, if there's illness in the family, um, just those types of things that maybe we might be able to be handling, but our loved one that we want to talk about, especially if they have some type of dementia or some of those cognitive changes happening, they're not going to be as as able to, um, you know, adjust, be flexible. They may be, um, you know, just not ready to hear it. So mm-hmm. we kind of got to look at it, setting up the right the right time. Um, as but far- I heard you also say, don't wait for the perfect time because that might not come. Exactly. And I think one of the best things that we could do is when... If, if you can be in a situation with your parent when they're experiencing that, you could say, you know, let's say they say something that's different or wrong or they've misplaced something. That would be a great way for you to segue into, oh, my goodness, mom, you know, has that happened before or dad, you know, I'm oh, my goodness, I'm noticing you're doing that a little more frequently can we talk about that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think if we approach it from concern um, and not in an accusatory manner, um, that's going to help. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. For kind sure. of how we kind of can finesse that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, um, and also to knowing what words are going to trigger and maybe not trigger. Mm-hmm. So you may not want to say, Mom, I really think you should go to the doctor. I think you have Alzheimer's. You could say that to your sister, but I wouldn't say that to your mom. I would say, Mom, I'm, you know, I've been noticing. Mm-hmm. Or tell me, you know, y- you called me the other day because you couldn't find the remote. Um, that's, I'm so sorry that's happening. That must be very scary or frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about that. Is this something that is happening more often? Maybe there's a reason that this is happening. The other thing that I want families and, and you know, folks like us that are going to be having these discussions with our parents is to let it, letting them know that it, it doesn't necessarily mean it is Alzheimer's. Some of those confusion Um, you know, pieces and some of the hallucinations or the delusional thinking that happens um, could be medication interactions. Um, It could be dehydration. It could be a urinary tract infection. So again, we don't want to paint worst case scenario. That's where more of let's go to the doctor and see what this could be instead of I think you have this. Right. So so don't make the diagnosis right. before you get to the doctor. Just exactly. Because it could be a exactly. good number of things. And so that certainly would be scary for both the you know, me, right, the daughter or and the parent. So it's important to sort of not tackle those big things, right? Just tackle the conversation. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think too, we need to um, 
also start, like you were, you had mentioned at the beginning, you know, what do we need to do to prepare for this? And I think that as you're watching your, your parents, um, you know, age, start taking notes and keeping track of the changes as subtle as you may feel it is. Um, if that subtle pattern, you know, accumulates, um, then we do have some, some good solid issues to take into the physician, to that team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're, when we address that, um, because I think we need to look at when it, time, time of day, is it happening? Was it in a certain location? Um, was she tired? Was she hungry? Um, did they just get back from a day out of the doctor? Um, and also too, just watching your parents' patterns. Are they changing their habits? Are they not going to senior center? Are they not going to church anymore? Because another thing that we have to watch for is depression Mm. in our aging parents. Mm -hmm. They're going through so many changes and a lot of, unfortunately, what happens in our life is loss. And so just being able to manage that and whether the loss be of a, of a child moving across the country because of a job, mm-hmm. not seeing their grandkids as much, the physical losses that, that come, and then also if they have to change their living environment, maybe even just downsizing, losing their friends because of illness. Mm-hmm. And pets too. Pets, yes. Ugh. Make a change as well. So mm-hmm. really watching for depression and keeping a, a journal of mm-hmm. all these changes that you're noticing is going to be really helpful when you finally do get in front of that professional. True. All right. So um, being prepared, we have now developed a list. A list. Uh, That's right. Sooner is better than later. Um, work on a plan. Yes. Take some notes. Absolutely. I would practice. Do what we're doing. Mm. You know, grab your coworker or grab your sibling and say, this is what I'd like to try to say. How does it sound? That's good. Because then you might get some good feedback about right. your tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. You might get good feedback about the vocabulary. Yep. That- that you're using. The other thing too is to think outside the box. It may not have to be a face-to-face if that's a little too intense. And maybe a lot of families, I mean, I know that my dad and I, we do better driving in a car together. We like to travel. So just having that proximity is good. Mm -hmm. um, And that kind of the controlled environment is good, but I don't have to look them in the eye. Right. And that's okay. You may need that. So you may want to have this discussion while you're driving. Mm -hmm. You're driving. (laughs) Takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah, when you don't have to make the eye contact, but you can't escape. Right. Because you're in the car together. You're really a captive audience. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep, yep. Great. And... So practice. I like that idea of um, practicing, not necessarily rehearsing, but practicing what you want to say and how you want to say it. Right, right, exactly. And again, that kind of can be anything from going to the doctor. That would be more of the concern. From the driving angle, um, I think that we would, boy, dad, you know, how'd you get, you know, there's a a dent on the car. I hadn't noticed that before. What happened? Mm. And just by saying, you know, you know, what happened doesn't say you're causing blame on him. It could be somebody truly legitimately did back into him in Walmart. But by not saying, what did you do? Say what happened? Oh my goodness! How did this happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, is a lot less uh, threatening than what did you back into? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then be ready for whatever the answer is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, it also sounds like it's important to be relaxed and not too hardcore when you're having these conversations. You know, and it's sometimes it's just a good, you may have to just start it, see how the reaction's going to be. If it's okay, keep pushing a little bit, moving Mm -hmm. through. If you're met with resistance, um, especially too, we were talking, you know, we're, we're focusing on folks that are having cognitive impairment. Right. So if, if your parents say, 
I've, I don't remember that or that did not happen mm -hmm. and you know that it did happen, then you know you are going to have to come back and we're going to have to try a different approach mm -hmm. um, because unfortunately they're not remembering this yeah. this event that's making you nervous and we're going to have to revisit this. Right. Um, and sometimes you, if you can just say, when you're ready, I'd like to talk to you about this issue and that helps them prepare yeah. that too. Um, and they may not remember it, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But at least you've given a little bit of advance notice so right. that you can bring it up again. So that resistance, not everyone wants to talk about the changes that they're feeling and noticing. Right. Um, but some some are just waiting to be asked about it. Exactly. And some maybe need a little advance notice in order to be ready. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the um, one of the focal questions that the Alzheimer's Association posed last year when we were doing our um, just kind of fact finding about how is the interaction going within behind closed doors with your primary care physician and the person that has some cognitive decline or cognitive concerns. Mm -hmm. And we found that like 16% of the population is actually getting the support that they need in regard to assessments within the physician office. 16 is not that much. It isn't. Wow. Because what we're finding is that the, that the doctors are waiting for the patient to bring up, I'm having changes in my cognition. Mm -hmm. But the patient... We're waiting for the doctor to say, are you having changes in your cognition? And what's happening is nobody's talking about it. Oh. Each person is waiting for the other to bring it up. And then we have this elephant in the room. Right. So that is one of the things that the association is really, and, and this is where children of aging parents can, can really advocate is say, you know, we need some type of a baseline cognitive screening done. And it needs to be in mom's chart, at least by the time she's age 60. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it needs to be done every, every six months so that we have a baseline, so that we know what we're dealing with if we do come back and see changes. So that's one thing that you as a, as a parent, you know, as a child can do for your parents is say, mom, when you go, have they done a cognitive screen? It's a good idea just to have a baseline. Right. And, and really ask for them to do that. So if I'm living at a distance from my parents and I'm not going to the doctor, mm -hmm. how, how could I make that happen? I would, a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, there is no reason that you cannot call that practice. Uh -huh. You are not asking for any information. You're giving information. And I find that even the strictest gatekeepers will at least agree if you are compassionate and kind and say, you know, I'm Amy, I'm calling from Pennsylvania. My, I'm noticing some changes with my mom. If you've already had that conversation with your mom and she could, you know, you could even say, you know, mom and I have been talking. Mm -hmm. She would like to have some screenings done around cognition. Mm -hmm. Could you please include that in her visit this week? Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, they're not, you're not asking for information, right? but I call and, I, and I've had tons of luck with families that um, just say, could you please put a note on my mom's chart so that the, the nurse and the doctor can see that we're having concerns mm -hmm. and we would like some screenings done. That reduces that concern about HIPAA exactly. regulations. And so if it's coming from uh, as a request, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to a risk request for information, exactly. That's a good way to to approach that. Yep. And and again, um, and if not, then you may want to see if there's someone that could accompany your your loved one. Mm -hmm. You know, to the to the appointment, someone that they trust. Sometimes that's kind of hard. Um, just again, right? We don't know, you know, who their their peers are. <laughs> And they may be in worse cognitive shape than your parents are. So, you know, who knows? But um, yeah. but I would just recommend the call. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other um, 
Well, I, I'll be quiet and see which direction we're going. Well, so. I think I want to go uh, a little bit deeper into the going to the doctor. Okay. Since we've been talking about being prepared, which means sort of those key ideas about how to ha- have any of those conversations, the talking mm-hmm. about it sooner rather than later, having a plan, taking notes, practicing, and trying to approach it from a relaxed place uh, for for both of you, that those are some good strategies for being prepared. But we've sort of already meandered into the going to the doctor uh, conversation and having that conversation with mom or dad. Exactly. One of the things that we, um, I'm just kind of pulling up my little notes here to remind me where Mm -hmm. I wanted to go with this, but certainly using words that are are more comfortable. And we kind of talked about that a little bit. You know, we don't want to say Alzheimer's. We don't want to scare them. Um, But also, if you know that your family has a history of cardiac um, you know, events, um, or strokes, you know, you may want to just kind of, you know, maybe not throw that word out there, but say, boy, mom, you know, remember aunt Carol, she was right around your age when she had her first stroke. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember that. I remember you sharing that with me, mom. Um, have we ever found out if that is something that's in our family? Maybe we should look into that, even for me, you know, we could, that would be helpful information for me and, and then relate that onto your future generations, especially if they're close with the grandkids, you know, say that would be, that's going to be helpful for, for Delaney to know, Mm -hmm. you know, as she gets into adult years. So certainly using those words, um, sometimes too, we'll be met with, um, you know, resistance and, um, one of the things, especially if they already, you know, that they're having cognitive issues, um, but you just can't get them to agree mm-hmm. to go. Um, definitely letting them know, especially too, if money's an issue, you know, hey, Medicare, with Medicare, you have an annual wellness visit that's covered. And, you know, so sometimes too, you may have to uh, use a little what we call finesse mm-hmm. and say, Boy, you know, in order for us to keep that Medicare benefit current, they need you to be seen by a doctor once a year, because we all know there are some of our folks that have not been to the doctor in many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another little way to finesse it. You know, let's just kind of keep the going and, and use that benefit um, that's there that that we're paying for. Right. So you can kind of finesse at that angle. Um And who doesn't want to get something they're paying for? Exactly. So might as well suggest that and say we're paying for it already. And, you know, you can try to do something fun while you're out. You know, so mm -hmm. absolutely. Like my grandfather, it was was hilarious. He loved Wendy's Chicken McNuggets. Wendy's Chicken Nuggets. So whenever we'd go out somewhere, he'd always say, how about we go to Wendy's? And so (laughs) no matter what we did, if we had to go to the orthopedic, we'd come back through and we'd hit Wendy's. So that's how we would get Grandpa to his checkups with a little snack. Especially, too, if your your loved one is, you know, doesn't have a great appetite. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times too, think about a meal is a great time to do this with folks, especially if they do live alone, because eating alone is very depressing and boring and Mm -hmm. you may not get the good nutrition. So being able to have a meal together and a discussion, it's just a little bit better. Well, it makes (laughs) it more of a fun outing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I would definitely, um, you know, maybe invite some people that they may be more receptive to hearing things from. Mm. Um, maybe it is a neighbor that, or maybe it is, you know, I'm even thinking a member of a home care team. Let's say you have, they already have home health or there's a nurse, um, that they have a good relationship with, um, that maybe could kind of start those conversations. It doesn't necessarily have to be you. Um, lost my train of thought. That's all right. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I like that idea of leveraging the network Mm -hmm. to help support our parents and to support messages. If that's not happening, a visit to the doctor 
maybe they won't hear it from me, the the, the child, but uh, they might hear it from someone else. Right. Right. And um, uh, I think as long as they see that as a, uh, a help mm-hmm. rather than a right. ganging up on, right. uh, that that's an important thing mm-hmm. to sort of be strategic about and careful about. Right. Anything else you want to add for the conversation with the doctor? I think that's, we covered that pretty well. I think, again, the biggest thing that I also want folks to realize is that we're not necessarily looking for a, a, you know, a specific diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Again, it could be so many different things, um, you know, a vascular dementia, like we had mentioned, or some of those other, um, you know, physical factors that may cause some of these changes. And um, just that it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a negative outcome. Right. It could be something that could be um, easily fixed, mm-hmm. you know, with appropriate diagnosing. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's not always going to be the news you don't want to hear. That's exactly right. right. It might very well yes. be news that you can right. do something about. Right. I had a lady that I worked with and she, um, her, her changes in her cognition were thyroid. Wow. Yeah. But she would have never known if she hadn't, I mean, she was just a wreck going to the, mm-hmm. you can imagine because she was, yeah. you know, alert enough to know something is going on. I am having good days and bad days and come to find out it was thyroid mm-hmm. and she's doing better. Great. So yeah, that, there's yeah, a good that lesson. Is, that is good <laughs> news. All right. So the next difficult topic uh, is about driving. Oh. And it's really uh, the decision to stop driving, but it may also be decisions around when times of day to drive or times to avoid driving. So how would you suggest that mm. uh, adult children have these conversations with our parents? I think, oh boy. And, you know, let's just start off right now by saying we all recognize that this is our last piece of independence is driving. Right. You know, that is truly your identity, your independence. That's your lifeline. And when you start talking about this and losing that ability or even modifying it in some cases, um, it's scary. Mm. Um, so we, and we recognize that. And again, that's why I think that this is probably one of the more difficult discussions to have. Um, I, again, this is one of those ones you got to start early, Mm. even before, for those of us that are listening, um, even before you're noticing cognitive changes, um, you know, because I even have had this with my father and I've said, you know, what's going to be enough's enough, you know, you getting hurt or you hurting someone else. Now that's me being candid and I can right. talk to my dad like that's that. That's pretty pretty bold. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I can do that. But if you can't do but, that, but these are the things we're thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. Like what's, you know, what call do I want to get? Right. <laughs> do I want to get the call that my dad killed someone or my dad got killed? Right. I don't want to get that call period. And maybe like you said, just being that candid, mm. you know, what, what are we going to do? We're noticing this. And again, you can start off by being subtle, you know, just kind of by doing your fact finding when you see the, the fenders, the accidents. Um, the other thing too is, is being lost over periods of time. You know, well, if dad would drove to church where is he? He should have been home an hour ago. And that's one of those symptoms that we all know is all of a sudden he doesn't know how to get home from church. So he's just sitting there waiting for his thoughts to come back mm-hmm. or he ends up in a different Walmart, you know, than, than on the other side of town. Um, those are all very real, um, scenarios that we have to, when we see this happening, it's like, okay, now we really have to talk. Right. I like your suggestion to have these conversations very early on so that they're not as shocking or as Mm -hmm. uh, difficult Mm -hmm. as they are when you're sort of in the middle of it. And you can say, mom, you know, when I notice, when I start noticing, um, unexplained dents and bumps in the car. 
do you want me to bring this up to you? Or should we just, um, you know, sweep it under the carpet and, <laughs> and pray for the best that it doesn't keep happening and see what her input is, mm. you know, um, you know, wouldn't it be horrible if someone got hurt? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I know that, um, my parent started making decisions around that because she was worrying about the safety of others mm. and of herself. And so she said, you know what? I'm just not going to drive on days when. Ah, it's a or, good compromise. I'm not going to go on these roads because mm-hmm. I'm worried about my reflexes or whatever uh, were her concerns. Mm-hmm. And so she just started making rules for herself about what she was allowed to do and when. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that, um, especially, too, because then that gives you an opportunity to say, well, then I can help you on those days, you know, so that it's not a complete loss. Mm -hmm. I think if you take something away, what can we supplement that with? And that's, that's a great way for you to be involved, um, you know, and, and other folks of your care team Mm -hmm. that are, that are helping watch out for mom to Mm -hmm. be able to be involved. Because I think that's just, it is fearful. Well, if I can't go, how am I going to do this? Right. What are we going to do? The other thing that um, I really implore, especially if you still have both parents alive and one drives and the other doesn't, Mm -hmm. and that happens a lot in our rural areas, Mm -hmm. Um, who's going to do the driving if the person that is the driver has dementia? Right. Right. (laughs) How are we going to, and, and that can be very scary for that spouse that's in the co-pilot seat. Um, so again, that could, and, and again, that's a luxury we don't always have sometimes is having both of our, our parents, but sometimes it, it may be received better from that spouse that's riding along saying, I'm having a lot of anxiety. I'm noticing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, or maybe they do need to be in the car because they are helping and they should only be going when someone can be with them. Uh-huh. So just another way, there's right. always another way to kind of finesse it. The, one of the big things that I really want to recommend is, um, talking with the physician about this, mm-hmm. seeing if they will help, um, the eye doctor when they're going to the eye doctor, that's another avenue, um, to go. Um, if we're really getting to that point where we need to look at, there should really be no more driving. Um, and then also too, if you have a stubborn, <laughs> you know, uh, parent that's not willing to do it, I would look at maybe some driving schools. Um, they have some, um, I know I'm familiar with a group that's called Transportation Solutions, Mm -hmm. but there are lots of privately owned um, uh, agencies that will take your aging parent on a drive, basically, Uh and and have them take their test to see. And so they can say, you know, especially if if there's been accident after accident and Mm -hmm. there's no debating it and you know darn well that he caused it Mm -hmm. and know when you're not getting anywhere, you can say, okay, dad, you know, he says, there's nothing wrong with me. I can do this just fine. Well, then let's take, let's, let's go take a test. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's put your, to the test. And I think you can find, um, so at the tail end of this podcast, we'll talk about some resources, Mm but I, I, I want to jump in with there are lots of different sorts of driving schools available out there and you can find some of them through the AARP website absolutely and through the AAA Motor Club that's right website absolutely but uh, there may also be listings through your um, Mm -hmm. Department of Motor Vehicle DMV yep absolutely Mm -hmm. yep yep just another, and again, we don't want it to ever get to that point, but sometimes it has to. Right. So. Well, and one of the things we haven't covered yet is that there's there are other ways of getting around. Exactly. Exactly. Um, which can be tough if we don't have, um, you know, a good support system. But church families, volunteer agencies, um, you know, even some private um, care 
facilities or right. not not care you know, home agencies, right. home care agencies will will do that. Um, I also am very. There's a lot of free transportation for veterans mm. as well that folks would qualify for, um, and even many of those programs are offering transportation for the spouses of a vet. So. You know, again, if your loved one is the one with the disease and you need to go, that still is a possibility. So that's great to know. And so we haven't mentioned the usual public transportation, like True. buses and uh, taxis and the more a modern approach, which is Uber and Lyft and some of the other mm-hmm. sort of um, hail services. But uh, it, it certainly has been that, you know, carpooling in families or making other arrangements Mm -hmm. through those services you described are possible. Mm -hmm. Some of them free, some of them not free. Right. Uh, But it's really dependent on what is available in wherever people are living. I think that um, my concern with the cognition using public transportation, you know, that could it might be okay for a little while mm-hmm. but it could be overwhelming and another chance maybe for them to get lost too so i really like your idea of using one of those ride share mm-hmm. especially if you can um you know let that person know you know this is and get make sure that they're getting in the cab or getting in the uber and out of or you know just for example that might be a better and then also too you can control that payment mm-hmm. and so that your your mom or dad doesn't have to worry about money right. you can just take care of that even the tip on your app so and that would be something to test out in advance yeah. and maybe even yep. practice doing together mm-hmm. um, as a, a family yeah. so that uh, if, if your mom or dad aren't used to doing that, yes, uh, aren't comfortable with a, a stranger as a driver, that's something that you can practice and rehearse together right. so that there might be s- some lessening of that worry. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Well, we've covered uh, the deciding not or to stop driving. We've covered the doctor visit. Our last topic today is making legal and financial plans. Mm. This is a big one and involves a lot of different kinds of documents. Yes. How do you recommend approaching these conversations? <laughs> kind of the same way. I think sooner than later, especially when it comes to medical d- decisions, um, you know, especially also if you have a family history, uh, the last thing you want to do is be sitting at bedside in a hospital talking about, you know, feeding tubes and um, you know artificial respiration right. and things. Well, of that or nature. saying I don't know. Exactly. Right. No one, you know, no one likes to really talk about this, but unfortunately, um, we have to because uh, no one lives forever. We don't live forever. So we have to talk. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things that I would recommend are just grabbing some tools that you can grab online. There are so many different um, verbiages and just different things that you can kind of start having conversations with. And you might even start by saying, um, you know, mom, I'm doing this for me right now because, you know, I'm aging and I'm doing a lot of traveling. If I were in an accident, you know, I want my wishes to be known. So I'm putting it all down on paper Mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. This is what I want. And so maybe, and just see, feel her out, see how she feels about that. You know, oh, well, I don't know if I even know where mine is. And, oh, okay, well, let's look for those. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe even just, again, kind of like I was saying, finessing things. Um, maybe for Christmas, we buy everybody a fireproof box for documents. Mm-hmm. Look what I found. This is so important. This is, you know, one location where we're going to put everything. Mm-hmm. Where's your will? 
Let's get mm-hmm. your will in there. Right. And then there's kind of a back doorway. Let's mm-hmm. see what what it looks like. You know, my mom did this one year for Christmas. She bought us she all really? kids' fireboxes, and and then she got some freeware off of the internet and said, here, fill out your will. So she was doing that hard me? conversation That's with amazing. us kids. But it led to that bigger conversation, yeah. which I think was very helpful. And to this day, that's it. the firebox I have. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So it meant that we could have that conversation as a family. family. She could tell us what she was thinking about. We could start thinking about it for ourselves. And it really was helpful for all of us to really sort of embrace the recognition that these are documents that everybody needs no matter what age you are. Exactly. I love it. That's that's such a great idea. Mm-hmm. That's so ironic. We didn't even plan that either. No. <laughs> But it's such a great, uh, there's another tool out there called Five Wishes. Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend maybe looking that up. Um, That's another great tool for folks um, when you're thinking about um, end of life and and what you would like to see happening with yourself. Um, So I don't want to interrupt too much, but one of the thoughts I had is um, that we, um, part of Penn State University, we have a law school. And many universities throughout the country have law schools associated with them. And they will frequently offer clinics that the students will staff to help people with documents. Love it. And that is a resource in many communities that people don't always see or notice, but is available at a low or no cost Um, So sometimes I know that the verbiage and language is available free online, Uh but it isn't always um, it isn't always exactly right for my situation. Exactly. And so a a clinic can help me frame the documents in a way that make it work for our situation. And I think, too, that's a good piece with um, with as many folks as we have living throughout the country. So Mm -hmm. if especially if your parents still snowbird somewhere to know if what the documents they've prepared in Pennsylvania, will that be acceptable when they're in Florida or Arizona? So, um, yes, so that's a good, good piece. Um, in addition to that too, um, I always want to caution is, is if, if your parents are both alive and, um, your mother starts to have Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. let's say is diagnosed with Alzheimer's and, she's the power of attorney for your father, right? That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have to look at that and, and, and just, uh, that's again, why it is so important and to why, review those documents. Sure. And why you want to review them, uh, whenever there are changes in health exactly happening because you may need to make adjustments. Right. right. Same thing for beneficiaries. You know, unfortunately, you know, there are adult children that pass away before their parents do. And if they were a beneficiary for things, that needs to be looked at. Um, The other piece that I want to throw out before we wrap up um, is that the same person does not have to be the medical power of attorney, does not have to be the financial power of attorney. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple different reasons I bring that up. But in my history um, as a social worker, I've seen a lot of families struggle where um, maybe the person that's the accountant and that really is good about the money may not be the one that could honor mom's wishes and say... For care. For care Mm -hmm. as far as you know what, mom, she really, this is what her living will says. She does not want a feeding tube. She does not want to be on a ventilator. Mm -hmm. And if, if you have one of those children in your family that just knows they would never be able to, you know, acknowledge that, then that probably should not be the person in charge of the the healthcare power of attorney. Right. Um, so again, those are just some things to think about, and it doesn't necessarily. And also, the closest person by proxy may not necessarily be the logical choice either. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, we are very used to connecting with the caregivers and and you know different persons from throughout the world. So you know, just because so and so lives in town doesn't have to be the logical choice for that, which is hard. 
Yeah. That's a hard decision. It is. Period. It, it allows everyone to be involved if True. that's what you would like to have happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So trying to think if there's anything else. The other, one of the other little tidbits that, um, I would recommend is most, um, I, I would look into an elder specifically an elder law attorney. If you are, um, really just kind of even starting from scratch, Mm -hmm. um, because there are laws, especially if you are, um, maybe not as financially secure, um, I would still reach out to um, an elder law attorney for even just a consult um, because I think a lot of times people assume that you have to have a lot of money um, in order to seek their services. But what I'm finding, especially in our rural pockets, is that they're helping families moving through the Medicaid system, which is that state benefit to help folks that are impoverished, uh-huh. that are looking for maybe housing uh, or skilled, you know, longer term options for care, Mm. which unfortunately sometimes is the case with Alzheimer's because folks can live with Alzheimer's for a very long time. And that may not be conducive to a lot of money (laughs) if you don't, you know, so you may live longer than your money lives. Mm -hmm. And so again, seeking the right attorney um, is going to be very important for that. Right. And that is something you can sort of screen for by looking online yes. and finding out what the resources are in your local community. Right, right. Look for look for um, elder law attorneys that partner with the association. Um, and the Alzheimer's Absolutely, with the Alzheimer's Association. We, that we have every, every community we partner with um, elder laws, elder law attorneys, um, estate planning, mm-hmm. um, just because... Um, Again, I think that's on the rise because of the number of, of um, seniors that are being taken advantage of. Right. Um, so we really are all kind of a call to arms to, to make sure that we're not losing our nest eggs mm-hmm. as we're aging. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's great advice. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can summarize the resources uh, okay. that we've uh, described. So I'm going to see if I can... Um, recall some of them certainly we talked about when we were talking about the going to the doctor that um that there are did we list any resources for that i don't think we did for the doctor no um i would say your resources is is a steno pad and a note and a pencil (laughs) (laughs) true for keeping track of right right and and taking notes right but no our our website um alz.org um, has those tips right on there. It's uh, called Dementia Conversations. Okay. Difficult conversations. You can be able to find a lot of the things that we just talked about on that website. Terrific. Including a handout. Absolutely. A handout, but also the resources that we described along the way um, related to maybe even the AAA Motor Club. Definitely. Um, but the other AAA that people maybe uh, were thinking of and that we haven't mentioned specifically is your Area Agency on Aging. Exactly. And they are a resource uh, that can be helpful and available either in your county or across counties, and that's why it's called Area um, because it's not consistent across the the U.S. and to what areas that is, but um, most er- areas or within a couple of counties have an agency that will have compiled resources covering the topics that we've just covered that are specific to those areas. Exactly. And they also very well could be a funding resource Mm -hmm. um, to to look into as well. Um, Not everyone will qualify, but that would be the best place to start Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking for some some financial resources to help with some care needs. That's great. Um, The other that I would suggest is Community Resource Finder. Ah. Um, and that is a co-branded website between the Alzheimer's Association and AARP. 
So it kind of um, is a one-stop and shop. You go into that, um, put in your zip code, mm-hmm. plug in what you're looking for, whether and everything from neurology to um, senior centers mm-hmm. to, like you were mentioning, you know, we mentioned the Office of Aging. Sometimes it's called Area Agency on Aging. Sometimes it's called Office of Aging. Um, again, each one of those, you know, is, is a great place to start in your county. Um, it also gives you uh, local um, education programs. Mm-hmm. Um, AARP has a wonderful caregiving chapter mm-hmm. um, of resources for, um, you know, basically ch- adults that are taking care of aging children, parents as well, excuse me. Sure. So um, another great resource on the, that website. Um, and I'll just jump in with one mention to our Center for Healthy Aging at Penn State. Our website has a library, a resource oh, library, that's right. that has a lot of uh, great information about a variety of topics, not just the ones we've talked about today. So there are some sort of general ways to educate yourself, and then there are some more specific ways um, to learn about the specific resources associated with where, wherever you live. Perfect. Okay. Well, I think that covers it. Do you have anything you want to add or maybe had in mind? I just want to give folks the 800 number for the Alzheimer's Association, which is 1-800-272-3900. That is our helpline. It is not a hotline. So it's basically anytime someone needs help. And if you need, if you forgot what we've talked about today, you can call that number. They answer 24-7. You will get a social worker that will give you some ideas to say, okay, I'm going to take my mom to the doctor. What are some good conversation starters? I've heard about this, but let's talk about it. And they can do that. It's not necessarily, um, again, you call, they start talking punch in your zip code, they'll ask where you live, and they'll automatically start looking for resources within the area that you're calling from. So it's, again, it's not a, not a crisis line. It's a helpline for anything to do with dementia and Alzheimer's. That sounds like a great so, resource. And it answers in like, I think we can handle like over a hundred languages. Oh, wow. So yes. So there's no language barrier with that. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jill. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. I know. It's not a great topic, but we're making it great because we have to. We have to do it. For sure. And our goal uh, with uh, adult children of aging parents in the ACAP communities is to help. Um, Absolutely. And so we appreciate the help that you've offered today. Thank you. Thank you. We are grateful for Amy Lorix and Jill Curtis's willingness to share their understandings, insights, and tips with us. And we are appreciative to you, our listeners, for joining us. We hope you've gained new insights and learned additional strategies so you may feel more comfortable with these conversations and so you may be a more effective caregiver and advocate for your parent and other aging loved ones. This program is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may learn more about the MESH and other programs offered for free at www.themesh.tv. On that site, you may also send us a question about this podcast or suggestions for future podcast topics using the Contact Us button. We also encourage you to find us on Apple iTunes, where you may listen to other ACAP community podcasts and even subscribe to this show, so you may receive future ACAP podcasts automatically. You may also listen to the podcasts on our ACAP website, which is www.acapcommunity.org. That's www.acap community.org, where you may learn more about ACAP, our local chapters, and our educational programs. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. 
discover other network shows, and give us feedback on what you just heard.